Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We're glad you joined us today. We're located in Collinsville, Virginia. At Smith Memorial, our motto is simple, follow Jesus. We'd like to encourage you to check us out online, www.smithmemorialumc.com. There you can find out more information about us, opportunities to serve, and ways to support this ministry through giving. We pray that God would add blessing this day to the hearing and the doing of God's Word. join me in our prayer of illumination. Holy God, open our minds and our hearts to receive your words for us this day. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from Hebrews chapter 11 beginning in verse 39. Yet all of these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, this is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, I'll ask if you would pray with me and for me at this time. You know, O God, the desires of my heart. and the sins of my mouth. And yet, O God, I come before you and ask that you would make me a vessel for thy work. Take these words of mine and transform them for your kingdom. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all bear with me today. I'm really struggling. This will be the most morbid thing you've ever heard your pastor start his sermon with, I guarantee it. But the first dead body I ever saw was my great-grandfather's. At least it was the only body that I could vividly remember. 
I had never seen a dead person before. Well, even when he, and certainly I had never seen my great-grandfather in such a position. After all, even when he was sick, he was always sitting up, so it was hard to imagine him lying down. It was the weirdest feeling in the world. Not only because I had never seen a dead person, I had never been to a funeral home. Not knowing what to expect, I entered into the main entrance of the funeral home in Richmond, Virginia, only to be greeted by my cousins. And as many of you know, when you go to funerals, I was greeted by family members I never knew I had. As I wound my way through the maze of hallways and people, I came into the room in which the box sat at the far end. There was a couple of people that were gathered around it, but by by and large, for the most part, most of the people were just huddled into small groups, and they chatted as if they were at a fancy cocktail party, dressed up, sipping on complimentary water infused with mint. I remember my parents got caught into a conversation that lasted longer than my youthful attention could handle, so I quickly slipped back out of the funeral home and went to go play with my cousins in the parking lot. After a while, I came back in to see if it was time to go, as most children do at their parents' events. This would prove to be a huge mistake. Because when I showed up, I caught my mother in the closing section of her conversation, and my presence made a very good breaking point. She looked at me and she said these words, Cameron, Why don't you and I go over there to see Pop? I wanted to say no thank you. At this point, I was too short to see over the coffin when I stood at a distance. So I begrudgingly walked with her. And then, there he was. It looked like him, but he wore death strange. And then my mom asked me the creepiest question that I had ever been asked before. Cameron, do you want to touch him? If I was old enough to think this way, I would have responded to her, good God, woman, no, I don't want to touch her. You're disgusting. But since my mom was one that would not mind popping me if I said such a thing to her in public, I simply reached out my hand, much like I did when I was in eighth grade when I dissected a cat. Slow and steady. It was weird. It was the weirdest feeling in the world when I felt the coldness of death. You see, as my hand rested on his hand, my mom, she whispered in my ear and I thought, oh my God, what more could happen? And then she said these words, Cameron, I don't want you to be afraid of death. I wanted you to touch him to let you know that he is okay, that your pop is all right. And suddenly in those words, I was no longer in the presence of an alien shrouded by death, sitting in the middle of an awkward adult cocktail party. In that moment, as my hand rested on my pop's hand, I was just simply with my pop. 
just as I was every time before. In that moment, the death was blurred. And he and I, despite the elephant of a casket in the room, he and I, despite my warmth and his coldness, he and I, we dwelt together in the land of the living. Later, as I aged, I received words and I received actions from the church that helped me to define what it was that I was experiencing as I reached out and I held the hand of my pop. But before we get too much further, as a caveat, it's important to say these, this. The words, I don't want you to be afraid of death, are not always very comforting. Especially as someone who by the time they turned 30, it was just last week, has already officiated over 50 funeral services and been with people who have died at every single stage of life from zero to 100. What I once presumed was impossible for me has become inevitable. And I don't think that I'm the only one in this room who has thought that from time to time. You see, we don't talk about death a whole lot. One, because I'm certain that many of you who are sitting out there are already thinking, good God, Cameron, this is a morbid sermon. And yet, it's a necessity. Because some of us, we might still think it's impossible for ourselves, but it is inevitable. And we ought not in a church to talk about death only at funerals. You see, the church... It offers us teachings to help us to persevere on, despite the reality in which we all must face. Our worshiping life and our liturgy, those words and those actions that we do together, are not simply there to be performed out of rote memory. They are there to teach us. They are teaching us the truth of our faith. A friend of mine recently shared a reflection on this day that we all gathered together to remember, this day of All Saints Day. Primary claim, and he reminds us that All Saints is a powerful reminder of the two primary claims of our faith. That of Ash Wednesday, in which we gather together those who come out and we place the dust on our heads and we hear these words, to dust we came and to dust we shall return. So it reminds us of that powerful truth claim, but it also reminds us of that powerful truth claim of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, i.e., those who have returned to the dust ahead of us, who themselves now surround the great high priest who, have, who has sat down from his once and for all finished work of redemption. We live between these two points. We are dust, and to dust we shall return. And we are surrounded by those who have returned to the dust and now still worship their God. In our funeral services, each time I conduct a funeral, I go down to the casket and I repeat these words as I, list, as I face towards the casket. I say to the one there, dying, Christ destroyed our death. Rising, Christ restored our life. As in baptism, Donna, my grandmother, put on Christ. So now is she in Christ and clothed with glory.
Then I turn and I face the congregation and I whisper those words of Christ-like promise to us all. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And those who believe in me, even though they die, yet they shall live. And whoever believes and lives in me shall never die. Why? Because I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of hell and death. And likewise, at the end of every single funeral that I do, I lay my hands on the casket. And I say those words, just as you first gave Kelsey to us. So now we give her back to you. Receive Earl, Samantha's grandfather, into your arms of mercy. Receive them into the fellowship of your departed saints. You see, when we baptize someone in this church, we baptize them into Christ. And we declare in that moment that he or she will forever be a son and daughter of God. The Christian community is one that blurs the lines between this world and the next. It's why when you find St. Paul talking about death, he never talks about it as an absolute. Instead, he uses the term veil. It is a veil. It is something that because of Christ, it is something we can almost now see through. It's a fellowship that cannot be broken by time or by death. Why? Because it is a communion that is gathered in the living Christ. So what we name when we use the term church, what we mean when we say we gather as the church today, what we're saying is we gather as a single communion of the living and of the dead. Therefore, the church rightly understood is always and will always be one people on earth and in heaven. Friends, when we gather around those that we love and we place them into the ground, they don't disappear into the ether. They don't walk around like ghosts. They don't dissolve into fibers and cells of the natural world. They are gathered around the throne. This is our faith. They are gathered around a throne worshiping God. They are in Christ. This very same communion that they were baptized into. The same communion to which we belong. And so when a person dies, even death itself does not destroy or fundamentally change our relationship to them. That's important. 
that when a person dies, it does not fundamentally change our relationship with them. Why? Because the lines have been blurred. And there will be a day in which death shall be no more. You see, we pray, and according to the book of Revelation, so do they. We praise God like we did this morning, and according to our great thanksgiving, our communion prayer, so do they. We try to love God and to love our neighbor, and according to the book of Hebrews, they do so completely. Our fellowship with the departed saints is not altogether different from our fellowship with one another. That's why we can have hope at a place like a funeral service. That's why when you see on an on a outline of a bulletin for a funeral service, it never says a service of death. It never says a funeral service for it is always and forever will be a service of simultaneously death and resurrection. A moment in which they all are gathered together. So what my mother once said to me as she creepily asked me, Cameron, do you want to touch him? And then as she whispered into my ear, Cameron, I don't want you to be afraid of death, is exactly what St. Paul was always trying to tell us when he says those words, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? But thanks be to God, which gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. These pictures are not memorials. They're reminders that they are alive. These candles are not statutes of the dead. They remind us of their flames that have not yet been distinguished, extinguished. We who gather here today gather not in a sanctuary in which there's still room to be filled. We gather as the church. And as we gather, we always gather with the communion which came before us and those that come after. So friends, on this day, as we remember the saints, as we remember those who are still deep on our hearts, as we prepare to feast at our table, this table by which we share bread is a table in which we sit at a dinner table and feast once again with those we love. Amen.